Paris Hilton says she's scared of childbirth, and that's why she has decided to use a surrogate. Also, a little kid, a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, is being lambasted as a racist for what he was wearing to the game over the weekend. Also, apparently Islam is trendy now. Oh my goodness. We've got this plus some golden bachelor commentary on this episode of Relatable, which is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout for a discount. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone's having a wonderful week. Gosh, if you have not listened to yesterday's conversation with Emily, the holistic mom that was targeted by the state of Iowa, leveled all these kinds of false allegations against her involving the use of drugs. And after you listen to her yesterday, you will realize that these allegations were completely bunk. Gosh, very scary story, but really important, really important for us to listen to and to learn from and to support her, pray for her. I saw a lot of your comments on YouTube that you're going to be praying for her. Um, Yes, please continue to do that because the fight isn't entirely over. Go listen to yesterday's episode. If you have not already, share it with everyone. And especially in the state of Iowa, there needs to be accountability and transparency. All right, we have so much that I want to get to today that we are absolutely not going to get to. I will, I'll read you a list of things that we want to talk about that we didn't get to this week. We're going to talk about Paris Hilton and her surrogacy stuff because there's more stuff out there. The Kansas City Chiefs five-year-old fan who is being blasted as a racist by the media. Um, Oakland City Council meeting voting on some resolution on... Israel, Golden Bachelor controversy. I will make sure that we get to that. Um, Mr. Beast, I never was able to talk about him building 100 wells in Africa and people being mad at him for that because of course. And then also this Vatican lunch where they invited a bunch of women who pretend to be men there. Wow, there's so much, so much happening. So that's what we want to talk about today. We're only probably going to get to about three of those. So let me start with what I definitely want to talk about, and I'll bring Brie in a, a few times throughout probably all of these segments, particularly when we talk about the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. There's an important like subset of that story that Brie has particular insight on. So, um, okay, let's talk about Paris Hilton. So we talked about this a few months ago when she announced that she was, or when she Um, told everyone that her son had been born via surrogate. I think her son is like 10 months old now. A lot of people also make fun of Paris Hilton for um, like the pictures that she posts with her baby. I mean, he just kind of, to me, it kind of looks like an accessory. That's how he is kind of held. Have you seen these pictures yeah they're yeah. just very awkward they're very posed and awkward yeah it does that's exactly what it is it seems kind of like an accessory i've seen video like a video of her handing her baby to her mom and it's clear like neither of them have ever held a baby before but that's what it looks like that's what it looks like yeah, yeah. it's very uh, it's very, very awkward stiff. like they're very awkward about it. Yes. And um, I'm not like, wait, this is not a judgment on like what kind of mother she is. I am yeah. not saying she does not love her son. I'm sure she loves her son very much. But it is, it's like, okay, if you're going to 
put your kids online, which is something that I am against, like you are going to get, especially someone with that big of a platform, you're going to be kind of scrutinized. And she does seem to use him as an accessory in her photos. And that's weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. So she announced several months ago that he was born via surrogate. And she said that basically she's just like, she's scared to have a child. Um, She said that she doesn't want to go through a childbirth and things like that. And so she wanted to use a surrogate. She had her son. And then she also announced that she had several embryos, like over 20 embryos that were frozen. And uh, they were really wanting a girl. So they kept on fertilizing the eggs that she that were harvested via the IVF process to get the girl that they wanted. I mean, This is really disturbing when you think about like sex selective eugenics that are going on here. And it's just applauded as like, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. Like Paris is just getting what she wants. She wants to be a mom. But what's going to happen to those 20 boys that she created? Isn't it interesting also that we know the gender at the moment of conception that all of these embryos that are human lives, the very beginning, at the very earliest uh point of human life uh, that we know that they are boys and she is either going to just freeze them indefinitely. She is going to discard them. That's probably what's going to happen. She probably won't put them up for adoption. Um, But she has now announced that uh, she has a little girl on the way and the little girl, her name is going to be London. And so we've got the Instagram post where she announced that I'm sure that this baby will be well-loved. That's not really the question. Um, The question is about the ethics of how she brings her children into existence. Um, So this was in an article uh, that Glamour published. This was in February 2023 when she was talking about her son being born via surrogate. She says, when I was in the simple life, remember that? Remember that? When I was in the simple life, I had to be in a room uh, when a woman was giving birth, and that traumatized me. But I want a family so bad. It's just the physical part of doing it. I'm just so scared. Childbirth and death are the two things that scare me more than anything in the world. So you're scared of life. You're scared of how life starts. You're scared of how life ends. It's amazing when people have like all the resources in the world, the perpetual like anxiety and sadness that a lot of these people uh, live in. But she's not scared of these things for someone else. Like for the right price, someone else is taking on those risks. Someone else is taking on the inconvenience, the sacrifice and the hardship that comes with pregnancy and childbirth. So she's willing to outsource that to another woman and to use her body, but she is not willing to take on that sacrifice for herself. So it's not because she can't have a child. It's not because she has any physical ailment. She literally just doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to ruin her body. It does change your body. It changes your body a lot. As someone who has been through it three times now, it changes your body a lot. Pregnancy is really hard, especially when you go to like 42 weeks like I have. Uh, Birth is really hard, whether you have a C-section or uh, whether you have a vaginal birth. They're really hard. They come with different kinds of recovery and all of that stuff. But that's what you do. 
That's what you do. You're uh, the entirety of motherhood is sacrifice. That's the entirety of motherhood is giving up yourself, giving up your wants, putting yourself after the needs and the well-being of your children. That starts from the moment you pee on the stick and you see the two lines. You start doing what is best for your child and not just what you want and is and what is comfortable for you. And unfortunately, Paris doesn't seem to believe that. She doesn't seem to think that. Um, And then, of course, there is the problem with the ethics of surrogacy, period, which I'll kind of just rehash for you or I'll re-summarize for you the problems with it in just a second. Uh, Let me pause. Let me go ahead and tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is We Heart Nutrition. I love this new sponsor. I absolutely love them. I started taking their products right away. They make incredible multivitamins, prenatal vitamins, really any kind of supplement that you're looking for. We Heart Nutrition offers it. The owners, Jacob and Kristen, have four young children. They saw a big hole in the vitamin industry for a company that not only uses all wholesome ingredients, but also has wholesome values. 10% of every sale at We Heart Nutrition is given back to pregnancy care centers. So right now they're raising $10,000 for a pregnancy care center, Prestonwood Pregnancy Care Center um, in Texas. And so this is just an amazing company. The family that owns it, they're just amazing. They're the kind of people that you want to support. And I can say, because I've been taking their products, that they really do make a difference. They're really high quality. Even their packaging is really high quality. So this is a company that you can trust and a company that you'll feel really good about supporting. So here's the deal they have for my listeners. You can go to weheartnutrition.com, use code Allie for 20% off, weheartnutrition.com, code Allie for 20% off. Also, the first 100 orders of any of the prenatal or postnatal bundle will receive a free organic swaddle, uh, really cute beige checkered print. They actually sent one to me, and I didn't I didn't realize that it was going to be part of this ad, or else I would have brought it and I would have held it up. It really is so cute. So go to weheartnutrition.com, use code Allie, at checkout for the discount, weheartnutrition.com, code Alley. Okay, so what's the problem with surrogacy? And we've talked about this a lot. I'm very um, thankful for the fact that this is probably the number one thing that you guys tell me um, uh, your, your mind was changed on after listening to Relatable and the guests that I've had on that have given so much interesting insight on this. Uh, surrogacy, IVF, the entire reproductive industry. It's a very sensitive topic because you're dealing with a real and virtuous desire that women have, that parents have, which is to have children. Of course, it's a beautiful, wonderful desire and all children, whether they're made through IVF or whether they are born via surrogacy, of course, are made in the image of God. They have equal value and their parents love them. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of what are children's rights and what is best for the child. And particularly if you're talking about surrogacy, there's a lot that has to happen. Obviously, the um, the actual biological mom whose egg it is has to go through the IVF process and then the eggs are retrieved 
from the mom and then they are fertilized with the dad's sperm, at least in in this case. Um, And then these embryos are created and it depends on the doctor. It depends on what you've agreed to, how many eggs are actually retrieved, how many embryos are actually created, and then how many are transferred. But very often, because you want as as high of a chance as possible to actually be able to successfully implant um, the embryo and that embryo to actually grow into a baby, you'll retrieve a lot of eggs, you'll create a lot of embryos, you'll freeze a lot of them, um, and then you'll implant as many as you want to actually birth and, and, and raise and take care of. But so you have that whole process, which is very risky for the embryo, by the way. They have to survive the freezing process. They have to survive the transfer process. There's a very high attrition rate for these embryos, which I personally think is just like a really big burden to place on these uh, tiny human beings. But then when it comes to surrogacy, you are implanting an embryo in the womb of a woman that did not create these children. So the likelihood of miscarriage is even higher. Um, But if the baby does grow um, and then they are birthed, they have bonded with this woman because that's how God made us to bond with the woman who is carrying us, which is supposed to be our mother. We know her heartbeat. We know her smell. We know her voice. Uh, We have gotten well acquainted with her and we have created this very natural bond. Um, And then When we are birthed via surrogate, when a baby is birthed via surrogate, they are taken away from that surrogate. Very often, the surrogate is not even allowed to hold that child. And then they're placed on the chest of a stranger. Now, Paris Hilton's baby has gotten to know her, obviously, and has gotten to know his real parents. Um, But we are purposely creating children through this process to break that primal bond, that natural instinctive bond that is created in the womb. And quite frankly, we do not know the consequences of that yet. We don't know the physiological, the psychological, the emotional, mental consequences of purposely creating a child to take them away from the woman that gestated them and then birthed them. And then, of course, you've got a whole other terrifying, terrifying and disturbing layer to this when you're talking about same-sex parents, particularly two men who buy eggs from one woman because obviously they need that to make a child and to rent the womb of another woman who is not and cannot be the egg donor. And then they take that child both from her biological mother and the woman who gestated her and birthed her. And they um, they take that child and raise that child themselves, not only robbing them from robbing the child of the bonds that she should have with these women, but also of a mother at all. And so the child from the get go, from the get go, um, is being commodified and in some ways being objectified, uh, certainly not being seen as someone who has human rights one of which should be the right to a mother and father. So there's a whole host of ethical problems when it comes to the reproductive industry. People get understandably, understandably offended when I talk about um, IVF. And I'm not saying that all of these things are on the same level. And I'm not saying at all that you are a bad parent, of course. I'm just saying that we should start thinking when it comes to all forms of reproductive technology 
not, well, what do I want? Let's not start with, well, I want to be a mom or I want to be a dad or I want to be a parent or this is a desire that I have. Yes, I understand that, of course, and that's a beautiful desire, but that's not where we should start. We should start with what is right. And what is right is not to make a child sacrifice on our behalf. It's not to put burdens on a child, on a new human life that we've created that should not be there. Our job is to sacrifice our wants, to deny ourselves for the good of the most vulnerable, these lives that we have created. So what is best for their well-being? Um, That's what we should be asking. Um, when it comes to all forms of reproductive technology. And Paris Hilton, this is kind of like an exaggerated case because most women, I think, who are using surrogates or who are going through these processes, it's not because they just want to. It's not because like, oh, yeah, I would love to spend tens of thousands of dollars. They think that they have to, which, again, I still think is morally and ethically problematic. Um, But this does show how surrogacy is very often used by the rich to commodify, commercialize the bodies of women so that they can skirt around the inconvenience and the discomfort of childbirth. And again, you're starting your motherhood journey the exact opposite way of how you're supposed to. She is asking her child to sacrifice on her behalf rather than the other way around. Um, All right, that's the Paris Hilton surrogacy story. I just like to kind of refresh our minds about the fact that this is going on, that America is so liberal when it comes to all this. I see conservatives, like I saw a conservative guy on Twitter the other day saying like, it makes me so sad that conservatives are against this, you know, surrogacy kind of stuff. He was actually talking about the atrocity of two men doing this. Oh my goodness. And and he was like, this is like consensual, blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh. Have we not moved past? Have we not seen where consent-based morality gets us? Consent is not a sufficient standard of morality, people. There are a lot of disgusting, disturbing, immoral things that people consent to. And some of those things should be illegal. People consent to selling fentanyl. People consent to ODing on fentanyl. Like, I mean, some people would say that that should be legal. But just because something is consensual doesn't mean that it's right. Certainly doesn't mean it's commendable. And in a lot of cases, it should not be legal. Um, and again, the child is not consenting here and the child matters. The voiceless party in this needs someone to speak up for them. Um, all right, let's move on to this crazy story about this Kansas City Chiefs fan. This five-year-old was blasted by an outlet called Deadspin because he was wearing a, uh, like a, yeah, whatever that is. What is it? Headdress? A headdress. You can see it on there. And you can see that Deadspin, the tweet, they put up a picture of this kid's profile. He's wearing uh, he's wearing black, so it looks like he has black face on, and he's got this headdress. And then the caption or the tweet that um, Deadspin wrote says, the NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface, uh, comma, native headdress. Oh my gosh, someone stopped this five-year-old from perpetuating systemic racism. So we'll get into that in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Cozy Earth. Absolutely love Cozy Earth. They've got amazing lounge loungewear, best-selling sheets, luxury pajamas. I love 
all of their stuff. I really do. They've got amazing blankets. We've got their bedding on our bed. We also have it in our guest room because we love it so much. I love their pajamas and loungewear. It's 100% bamboo viscous, and so it's super soft, really breathable. These would be amazing Christmas gifts, especially for the related gals in your life, related bros. Right now, they've got an amazing deal going on for relatable listeners. You can save up to 40% on Cozy Earth items. If you go to CozyEarth.com, use code RELATABLE at checkout, you save up to 40%. This is a holiday offer. It ends soon, so limited time. Go now to CozyEarth.com. Use code RELATABLE. CozyEarth.com. Code RELATABLE. Okay, Brie, what in the world? What in the world? This is a five-year-old. This is a five-year-old who was wearing a headdress, obviously a very big Kansas City Chiefs fan. If you don't know, if you're like me and you don't really follow sports, this is a football This is a football team. It's a football team, okay? <laughs> Professional football team. Um, and he is wearing this headdress because he's such a big fan. And oh my gosh, he is wearing what looks like black face, Brie, this five-year-old... Um, so the author of the article uh, for Deadspin, Karen J. Phillips, um, he says, he, he said uh, in the article, it takes a lot to disrespect two groups of people at once. But on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas, a Kansas City Chiefs fan found a way to hate black people and the Native Americans at the same time. He said, this is what happens when you ban books, stand against critical race theory. Oh, my gosh. This guy needs to be thumped in the forehead, just flicked (laughs) in the forehead and try to erase centuries of hate. You give future generations the ammunition they need to evolve and recreate racism better than before. Oh, my gosh. All from a five-year-old. From a five-year-old. He did all of that. He did all of that. By wearing a headdress. He's a pretty evil five-year-old yeah. he's doing oh all that. Oh, my gosh. He is basically mocking the trail of tears mm-hmm. by wearing Intentionally. this headdress. Intentionally. He thought about it yeah. that morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's put up the picture of the five-year-old kid. Not from the side, but let's see the picture of his full face. Okay. So, oh, oh, my gosh, Brie. He actually wasn't wearing blackface. Look at that. Because the colors of the Chiefs. I guess, are black and red, so I hear. And so one side of his sweet little face, we're talking about a five-year-old. <laughs> he looks a little older than five to me. He looks a lot older than five, so I'm, gonna, I'm not really sure. Yeah, he looks maybe. eight. Um, but regardless, he's a kid. One side of his face is red. The other side of his face is black. So it wasn't black face. Nope. And like, okay, what if he had painted his whole face black? Would that have demanded this article? I still don't think so. No, because it's still a child. I mean, honestly, even if it wasn't a child, still doesn't really demand this article. But it's a child at a football game. No, because it's not doing anything. I'm sorry. It's not doing anything to anyone. I know this is what got Megyn Kelly in so much controversy (laughs) several years ago where she very understandably was like, when did this become the thing? Like the thing that everyone has to cry out about, the thing that impugns your character forever. Um, And he attaches this to like the whole political moment, the whole political moment of banning critical race theory. That's what made this little kid 
<laughs> Put his headdress on. Uh, okay, so Phillips, Phillips tweeted this after people were like, okay, you're being ridiculous. This is a kid. Who cares? He's not hurting anyone. This doesn't matter. He's painting both sides of his face. Here's what Karen J. Phillips said. He said, um, and hilarious that his name is Karen. Hilarious. <laughs> it's spelled C-A-R-R-O-N. Karen. Okay. For the idiots in my mentions. Idiots. Everyone else is an idiot, Karen says. Sweet Karen. Um, for the idiots in my mentions who are treating this as some harmless act because the other side of his face was painted red, I could make the argument that that makes it even worse. Oh, no, Brie, it's worse. <laughs> Y'all are the ones who hate Mexicans, but wear sombreros on Cinco. What? What so, does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Is he bringing in a whole other race to this now? Or is he just, is that just an argument? I'm not sure what, <laughs> I'm not sure. Hate Mexicans, but wear sombreros on Cinco. I don't know anyone personally who hates Mexicans. And neither um, do I. I will eat Mexican food any day of the year. Any day. Maybe twice on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, but I don't know what that has to, what that has to do with it. So he says that it's worse that this little, I'm going to go with seven-year-old kid. Seven-year-old kid is wearing, is wearing red and black face. Red and black face. Um, okay. It also turns out, Right, Brie, that this little kid is like native, actually Native American himself. Yeah, his mom actually tweeted a photo of him dressed like this and told everyone to stop because he is Native American. And I believe it's in our doc here, but I believe his grandfather or something is uh, on the board of some Native American association or something. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Look at that. Little chief right not there. A, <laughs> he's a little chief, not appropriating anything. No. Turns but- out. No, which is so funny, but even if he weren't, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Like, even if he were the most Anglo-Saxon of all Anglo-Saxons, he is obviously doing this not to make fun or trivialize a certain culture, but to honor it yeah. because he likes it. I also saw, I forget what organization it is, but it's it's the people who, the Native American group that is upset about the Redskins changing their name. They want to change back to the Redskins because they felt that that honored them. Oh. Um, and they tweeted this and said, oh, so it's, o- it, it's okay now when the Chiefs do it, but we're not allowed to do it as the Redskins. Yeah. So they're upset also about it, but for a different reason. Yeah. Very often, not always, but very often, it's the whites. It's the whites. They're the ones that are offended on behalf of minorities. Yep. They're the ones that are like, I have yet to, I don't know any Mexicans who are actually offended by a gringo wearing a sombrero. I know. Like, or going to a Mexican restaurant. Do you think, do you think that all of the Mexican owners of the Mexican restaurants, do you think that they are really concerned with Los Gringos coming to their restaurant? They're seething. Quesadillas. Yeah, they're seething when white people come into the restaurant. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I don't care if you do pronounce it enchilada. As long as you give me the money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come on. It's so funny. But I also, like, there is obviously something, like, super sinister about this because this is a kid. Mm -hmm. This is a child. 
And I don't want to go so far as to say that they've ruined his life because he's so young. I think it would actually be worse if he were a little older. But I mean, this is like, this is, I think, I think kids should be off, like off limits when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, And they don't even care. No, and what baffles me is I'm sure in that whole stadium there was an adult wearing very similar garb yeah. to this kid, and they chose to highlight this kid instead. The little kid. Yeah. If yeah. you really you really needed to write this story, you couldn't have found one adult in that whole stadium that was dressed the same. Yeah. I don't believe that. No, this is so disgusting. It's so disgusting, and it just goes back to what you hear a lot of people say is that the demand for racism outpaces the supply. There is a much greater demand for racism in America than there is an actual supply of racism. Most of the things that we see today, all of the microaggressions that we're told, the disparities that exist between races that we are told they must automatically be assumed to be the fault of racism, there are usually other explanations for them that is not racial discrimination and but the people who make money off of peddling this stuff and the splintering that this causes in america they can't let it go they can't let it go because it's what it's what gives them power i hope his parents like stay really strong i'm so glad that they didn't apologize do not apologize for that which you are not sorry or sorry yeah i almost said sorry for but then i would have said two fours do not apologize for that which you are not Sorry, and which you should not be sorry. He should not be sorry for this. He absolutely shouldn't. Okay, some people, some people, Brie, are saying that Taylor Swift's silence on this issue is deafening. Yeah. Um, his- <laughs> why, why, what does Taylor Swift have to do with this? The story of her life. Um, let me tell you, Allie. <laughs> okay. Uh, in September, uh, Taylor Swift appeared at a Kansas City Chiefs game. And this was after uh, Travis Kelsey, who is tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, told people on his podcast that he had made a friendship bracelet, which is a thing you do at her tour, um, with his number on it. And he wanted to give it to Taylor Swift and never got a chance to. Wait, when did he do say that? That was probably like, that was probably a couple months before this game she showed up okay. at. Over this, um, so we've now learned that someone connected them, and he then invited her because he saw her at that stadium. Then he invited her to that stadium to see him play, and she showed up. And we have a picture of it, I think, of her at this game. And this was huge. Okay, so I've got a question then. Maybe you can tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, see, I didn't know the backstory, I didn't know like the podcast thing. I thought that they had been dating for a while at this point. By That's the time- a theory. Okay. That's, That's what it seems like. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, all, it did all start with him mm-hmm. saying, I, I want to give my number to her via this friendship bracelet. Um, and that was only a couple months before that. So yeah. it can't have been that long. Right. Um, but now it's very public. They're seen together a lot. He flew to Argentina to watch her Now, why was it such a big deal, though? For her to have a boyfriend <laughs> and to show up at this game. Is it because it's well, unlikely because he's a football player? Like I, I could get into deep Taylor Swift lore, but really <laughs> the reality is for the past six or seven years, she's been with this guy whose their whole um, relationship has been completely private. 
Joe. Oh, wow. I'm so proud <laughs> you, of myself. So you know things. <laughs> I know a little um, And it was a thing that they like very intentionally were never seen together, never spoke about each other, nothing. And now it seems like she's almost intentionally being pretty like out, out there. Yeah, out there with him. And he clearly likes attention and is very out there as well. So now, it's just kind of like- he's the guy who also shills for Pfizer. He shills for Pfizer. Yikes. Also- his some of his old tweets have <laughs> resurfaced, and they just show that he it, no hate is just at least in 2011 was so dumb because yeah. every tweet is you know misspelled. What? We were all dumb in 2011, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, but not it, not in that way. Like he oh. could not spell. Oh no, um, I definitely learned to spell sometime before 2011. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think in college we probably most of us knew how to spell, but he's a football <laughs> player. It's okay. He plays yeah. football. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a big deal, I guess, because she's giving her fans what they want, which is to, <laughs> to see, see her, her dating people. in love. Yeah. Well, people if think they're going to get married. Spokesperson, she better not break up with him because I don't think his heart can take anymore. I know. But don't. His heart's going to break either way, <laughs> either right? Either way. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So is she going to say something about the, um, by the kindergarten racist? Taylor Swift never says anything political except for that one time, and she got in trouble for that. Which one? There was like a documentary that she was in oh, where yeah, she I finally decided. Yeah, you watched it. Where she, she finally about- decided to talk out against Trump, and she well, was she crying about, about it. Blackburn. Yeah, Marsha Blackburn. <laughs> she was really upset about that. Marcia, yeah. And her dad was begging her, "Please don't talk politics. You're going to lose fans." And she said, "I have to, Dad." <laughs> And she did. And, and she, she hasn't it done it dumb. since. And she didn't say anything that was like worthwhile. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But I would say that that one music video that she did, You Need to Calm Down, is definitely, I don't know if it's political, but it's like moral and theological. We've talked yeah. about it before where she depicted everyone who is against gay so-called marriage uh, as, you know, a, in the trailer park. Yeah. As, a, you know, backwards people who don't brush their teeth and can't spell. Yeah, I mean, she has a couple, like, morally weird songs, of course. There's, like, there's the one, The Man, where she's talking about how she wouldn't be successful if, um, or she wouldn't be, she would be more successful if she were a man, is, well, one is of the, the gist of it. videos, yes, and, well, she has a lot of morally questionable songs, I would, yeah. I would say, but when it comes to, like, oh, that's obviously very progressive, like, one of her music videos, she's with a so-called trans man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lavender Haze. Yeah, yeah. The guy in it is actually a girl. Yeah. Yikes. Brie. But you wouldn't you wouldn't know that immediately. It's very it's kind of like. No. And I think that's their. Yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Taylor. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, the progressive power couple. Truly. Yeah. But I mean, if they do get married and have kids, those kids will be very talented and tall very tall (laughs) the kid will have to decide between singing and sports and football like high school musical yeah yep um i don't know they could have a 
mathematician. <laughs> Maybe not with Maybe. these jeans. I don't know. Maybe. Um, okay. Uh, we'll get into some other things. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Jace Medical. Jace Medical is awesome. They're the only service in the United States that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So we've talked about making sure that you have an emergency food supply, water supply, should things hit the fan. You know, we're not conspiracy theorists on this podcast. You're not going to hear a lot of doomsday stuff from me. But the fact of the matter is, is that we should be prepared because we just don't know what the future holds. And it's one way to make sure that your family is taken care of should things hit the fan. So if you've got your food supply, you've got your water supply, you also need to make sure that you have a stash of the medications that you need. So Jace Medical ensures that you have a year-long supply of the prescriptions that you and your family takes and take, and also a year-long supply of the antibiotics that you might need should you have an infection and you can't get it through the traditional means. So if you go to jacemedical.com, they'll walk you through the whole process. Your Privacy is obviously very respected uh, throughout this whole thing, but you can get the medication that you and your family need. Uh, go to jacemedical.com, use promo code Allie at checkout. That's jacemedical.com, code Allie, jacemedical.com, code Allie. I really want to get Bree's commentary as much as she wants to on the Islam being trendy thing now. So, okay. Um, Oakland City Council, they voted on a resolution for ceasefire to condemn Hamas um, because I think that's what I, Brie, I heard, I don't know about you, I heard that Hamas was waiting for this. I heard that they were waiting for Oakland City Council to mm-hmm. sign a resolution and then when they, when the last signature on the Oakland City Council resolution was signed, they were going to drop their guns. Get out yeah. from behind the hospital, hold hands, and start singing Imagine by John Lennon. Because then Palestine will be free. Palestine will be free. Thank it's up you. to Oakland. Yeah. Oakland City Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, so in this resolution, which is obviously going to, like, make a huge difference in the Middle East, um, someone, some scoundrel, tried to insert language condemning Hamas. How dare they? Which is obviously a terrorist organization. Uh, but the residents of Oakland, they would not stand for it, Bree. They wouldn't stand for it. So let's play just a, I just want to play a few seconds of this clip of the people at the city council in Oakland saying we shall not condemn Hamas. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Okay. Um, all right. So, Brie, are these people right? Is Hamas just uh, made up of sweet communist college students? It's just the armed wing of the Palestinian the resistance. Armed wing. That's it. It's yeah. the armed wing. Uh, yeah, no, these people are deranged. I don't know where they learned. I don't know where they learned this. I mean, I guess I do know. Probably UC Berkeley. (laughs) I do know where they learned this kind of thing. Um, But to say it so explicitly, I was telling you yesterday, I can't believe how quickly we have fallen in support of Hamas. Hamas. (laughs) Like, I, 
I don't know. I mean, we got people out here basically saying that Al-Qaeda was right. I mean, we talked about last week with James Lindsay how there are people on TikTok saying, oh, we misunderstood bin Laden. Yeah. Poor misunderstood guy. Yeah. And people are glorifying Islam now. What is... I mean... (sighs) Go ahead. What were you going to (laughs) say? I was just going to say people who are... um, Atheists who are leftists who never respected any religion are now saying, actually, I I feel like these Hamas guys have a point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that they're now reading the Quran. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's play. And just I don't want the whole montage of the TikTokers supporting Islam. I just want like a few seconds of the Islam is trendy clip. I just started reading the Quran and I am so excited about it. People thought when I first asked that I just wanted to read it out of curiosity, but I want to read it to study it. The way that the Quran describes things actually makes sense to me. And also, did you know that Allah is beyond gender? And this is why so many people are starting to read the Quran. So I ordered a Quran and I just wanted to show you how I have. Okay, so I'm an ex-Christian. I started reading the Quran. Um, this. All right. So that goes on and on. There's a whole montage of TikTokers saying, I'm reading the Quran and this is great. It's answered so many of life's questions. Okay, Brie, this is the simple question that I have for these people who are like, oh, Islam is actually awesome. Tell me what Muslim majority country you would like to go move to. (laughs) Tell me, where do you want a vacation? Do you want to tell me just what Muslim majority country you would like to visit this weekend? Yeah. So here's the thing. I did work for six years in multiple countries in the Middle East. And there are parts that are nice, but only because I would be an American going there. And as a foreigner, you're usually like a little bit safer there. Um, But no, the people who live there are not free um, in any country but Israel. Um, and the places that are typically like nicer to visit, like the United Arab Emirates, which also isn't free. Um, the majority of people there are foreigners. (laughs) So it's just, there's, it's, there's nothing true about what those people are saying. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and like the people like Hamas, it's not like, oh, they are going outside of the Quran or the Islamic teachings they are just taking them to their natural conclusion right yes the the reality of it is there it's not it's not a peaceful religion and the people who are doing some of these things like hamas are are following their religion pretty accurately to what their text says so Of course, there are always like interpretations of religions, but yeah, um, but that's and the that's, reality of it. And that's why there are people who say that they're Muslims who are peaceful people. Yeah. But it's not like Hamas is going against the teachings of Islam and doing right. or Hezbollah. I mean, like all people have to do. You can go to Wikipedia. Look at the list of terrorist organizations in the world, the officially deemed terrorist organizations. The vast, 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 vast majority of them are connected to Islam. And in the entire Islamic world, all you see is oppression. Women are oppressed. Children are oppressed, indoctrinated from the youngest age to hate the infidel. And particularly 
the Jew. And that's another thing is like people justify, oh, Palestinian liberation because of the apartheid and the colonialism, the the settlers in Israel. Look, Islam has taught hatred of the Jews long before 1948. Mm -hmm. Okay, like this battle has been going on for a very long time that has nothing to do with the establishment of the state of Israel. And obviously the Jews were there before uh, anyone was there thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, So the entire narrative is completely bunk. But it's just crazy that these people who claim to be anti-religion and anti-Christianity because of the so-called oppression that Christianity has caused, now they are opting for the most restrictive and legalistic and oppressive religion. Yeah, and true. I mean, I there's something incredibly demonic about it. That first Total. video yeah. um, of the she, she, him, I don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, in the rest of that video, the long version, this person says, this is exactly what I need right now. Like, I, I've never been religious, but I think I believe in God again. This is exactly what I need right now. Yeah. And watching that, I'm like, <laughs> dude. Yeah, clear. Obviously, that's yeah. Satan, you know? Yeah. For the people, for the people not watching, like the first person in that montage was, um, it looked like a man trying to be a woman, but it could have been the opposite too. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, it's just kind of hard to tell. But yeah, very strange. And this person is saying, oh, yeah, the Quran, Islam is exactly what I need. It's answering all of life's questions. I'm like, you know that Hamas would rape and murder you, right? And behead you. Throw you off a roof in a second. All those people in the yeah. Oakland, yeah. like none of them were wearing the the guard that they're supposed to be wearing as women. All no, the people no. in that city council meeting. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're heretics because they're not covering their entire face. Yeah, they're infidels. And unlike Christianity, who is taught to love our enemies, not just our neighbors, not just the people who think like us, but to love our enemies, um, Islam or Hamas, anyway, they are taught to kill those who do not believe as they do. Um, And I was also thinking of this, like, so how, you know, how you hear um, Hamas and those indoctrinated by Hamas say, like, it is an honor to be a martyr and how they obviously believe that there is some reward from the suicide bombings or when they commit some kind of mass murder and they are killed themselves. That is considered uh, martyrdom. Well, Christianity also talks of martyrdom and the self-sacrifice that comes with that and the self-denial that comes with that of following Christ even to the point of death. But it is the opposite, is that they are killing themselves and killing other people and calling that martyrdom. The Christian definition of martyrdom um, is that in the for trying to save other people, for the sake of the gospel, you are then killed. You're never called to kill yourself. You're never called to harm other people. But martyrdom in Christianity is complete and total peaceful self-sacrifice, like what Jesus did. The Islam martyrdom is not just taking out yourself, but taking out as many other people as possible. So it's just crazy to me how people can look at just those two things, the definition of martyrdom in the two religions, and say, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with the suicide bombing one. Yeah. It is and, demonic, like you said. It's got to be yeah, spiritual. Totally. And I will say, just, I mean, because this is all like very depressing, I think it is encouraging because I saw that a lot of the 
um, increase in some of this behavior within Islam has led a lot of younger people throughout the Middle East to realize that they don't want this. And a lot of them have walked away from it. A lot of them walk away to atheism because they don't know what Christianity is. But I think there's just like so much opportunity for God to do something incredible in that area. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's lost yeah on him yeah but it is like quite depressing to see what's happening but you know like okay here let's end on like end this segment on a positive part then we're going to end the podcast on a uh the episode on a lighthearted note but okay i think that this is obviously it's very sad when we look at where america has gone from christianity being so mainstream and cultural christianity even though it is not salvific being a part of our institutions, I would say everyone has benefited from that. We're obviously going in the other direction, which is very spiritually sad, but it does kind of take us out of this America-centric, West-centric mindset that I think a lot of us have, where we think that America is God's chosen chosen country and that we are going to somehow determine like when Jesus is coming back, which is not biblically true, and seeing, okay, the West is falling, and America is falling, but God is working everywhere. And say something is happening in the Middle East where we think like the enlightenment and the reawakening is going to be here. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's in the Middle East. Like maybe it's in these unlikely places. Maybe it's in Eastern Europe, which has been godless for a long time. Like maybe... It's going to be in Asia, somewhere that we don't consider a stronghold of Christianity. Like, maybe it's just not here. Like, maybe we are going to be given up to the masters that America has chosen, which is going to be very unfortunate. But that doesn't mean that God isn't working and doing something really big in other places and places that we may least expect it. Yeah. And when Kirk Cameron was here, yes, uh, he was mentioning that p- other countries are sending missionaries here now. Yeah. We need a, a, come <laughs> yeah, on. honestly. Yeah. So it's I, I agree with that totally. And yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, God just loves as we talk about with Kirk, like he seems to throughout scripture stack the odds against himself before he comes through and does what only he can do. Mm-hmm. So he will do that somehow, whether it's through Jesus coming back once and for all or whether we've got several millennia until then. Um, We'll see, but God is always glorified and his eternal plan of redemption is going off without a hitch. All right. Okay. I want to end on a lighthearted thing because we're going to talk about the Golden Bachelor Um, because that was really super sad and depressing. Uh, Let me go ahead and do our last sponsor for the day, and that is Crowd Health. And so this is something that's going to be helpful for a lot of you. You're just tired of going through health insurance or you don't have health insurance. Either way, sometimes it seems like it's a nightmare. This is an alternative to traditional health insurance. CrowdHealth gives you the tools to negotiate and crowdfund your medical bills. All you have to do is pay a $50 membership fee to get access to services like telemedicine and bill negotiation. And then you join the crowd, a group of members just like you who want to help pay for each other's unexpected medical events. I don't have to tell you how crazy and complex and what a burden health insurance can be. If you just want to opt out of that, but you still need your health care needs covered, as we all do, then you should opt for crowd health. For $175 for an individual or $575 for a family of four or more, you'll get access to a community of people who are willing to help you out in an event of an emergency. You'll get access to telemedicine gifts, uh, visits, discounted prescriptions, and so much more without doctor's networks. So let CrowdHealth help with your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $99 a month for your first three months by using code Allie at joincrowdhealth.com. 
CrowdHealth is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, code Allie. Okay, Golden Bachelor controversy. Tonight, Thursday night, November 30th, is the um, it's the finale, Brie. Yeah. And have you been watching? I have been watching. Yeah, what do you think about it? Um, I have found it a little boring, to be honest. But I thought that they, the way that they, like, produced it was, like, really excellent because they made him look so sympathetic the sweetest the sweetest his story is the sweetest um and all of the the casting was great for like hit the people he's dating obviously the concept is flawed to begin with but um yeah i mean i thought it was sweet just to see a different like it's not you know all 22 year olds so yeah you know i was excited about it i started watching it i think i watched the first two maybe three my friend who was like she was like I don't know 37 weeks pregnant when we started she ended up having her baby and so once she had her baby then we didn't watch it anymore <laughs> and um I just haven't watched it I didn't watch it by myself because it was just like a team thing that we were doing together and so I haven't seen it since the second or third episode I had my predictions of who was going to win and I won't give a spoiler because I saw a spoiler on Twitter. I don't know if it's right or not. But the person who I originally predicted is not apparently going to win. And one of the ladies that I thought was really weird is apparently <laughs> going to win. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the controversy and this uh, persona. Um, okay, so his name is spelled G-E-R-R-Y, but it's pronounced Gary. Gary. Which is really annoying. It's like that scene from Mean Girls where <laughs> Janice calls her Caddy and she's like, it's Katie. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to call you Caddy. Yep. That's how I feel. I want to be like, yeah, I'm going to call you Jerry. Yeah, I have called yeah, him Jerry. I'm going to call yeah. you Jerry. Okay, so he is uh, a 72-year-old star of The Golden Bachelor. And um, so his story was like super sympathetic. He said, I haven't dated in 45 years because his wife died, um, which is obviously very sad. And so people like put him up for this and they call him a retired restaurateur and they make him seem like he's wealthy, I would yeah. say, and like well to do and obviously like very in shape. They tanned him up, maybe like did a spray <laughs> tan. I don't know. Um, and so but. This is from The Hollywood Reporter that came out a couple days ago. Apparently, like, these things aren't really true. He's not so innocent. He's not so inexperienced when it comes to dating. And he's not a retired restaurateur. Yeah. That's what they said. Right. No, they, yeah, they say he's, like, he's done, like, some odd jobs. I don't think he's, like, wealthy by any means. I think... Um, I think the biggest thing was like his relationship passed, but yeah, a restaurant tour indicates something that I don't think he is. No. So. Okay. So this is what they said. Well, first of all, I thought this was funny. The Daily Show comedian Lewis Black joked, "The guy is like if the word G. Wilkers became a person." <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> That's so true. Like he's so sweet. And none of this stuff that I'm about to read, I don't necessarily. I don't think this means like he's a bad person or anything i just think it's so i just more think it's interesting how producers create these personas of all the contestants um and they're like yeah. this is what's going to be most interesting i think that's fascinating like branding type people so apparently according to the hollywood reporter um is that he okay so they said that he actually did 
date. Um, and he has dated since his wife died. He's not so he's not so inexperienced. He began a three year relationship um, pretty quickly after his wife died. It's one month after his wife died. Um, this woman who was going by Carolyn and they moved in together. And um, according to the article, the relationship was confirmed through Carolyn's family, friends, text messages, and even a background check confirming her address was the same as Jerry's for over a year. And then they broke up in October 2019 after reportedly Jerry told Carolyn he wasn't going to take her to his high school reunion looking like that because she had gained weight. And told her to be out by January 1st, 2020. So that is, I will say, reportedly, um, that's what's happening. Also, he is not a retired restaurateur. He, he last owned a restaurant, any restaurant, in 1985, okay? When he sold his Mr. Quick Hamburger drive-in franchise, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's a really long time ago. That's a really long time ago. That's almost 40 years ago. And he, like, apparently just won drive-in so since then and there's nothing like i'm not saying this judgmentally at all but apparently he was actually a maintenance man at um a a council a a counseling office again there's nothing wrong with that but i think it's interesting how the golden bachelor people decided well that's not part of the persona that we want to build that's not going to sell we want someone who seems successful and wealthy and what's interesting, I have watched like other seasons of The Normal Bachelor, and they hardly ever mention what people actually do for work. Yeah. Um. So maybe they were s- sort of hoping that like no one would ask because it yeah. normally doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I I did wonder if he's like this successful, good looking guy, why would he need something like The Bachelor to set him up? But I guess I guess you never know. I don't know. Um. And so, yeah, people are just saying, like, it's kind of hypocritical. It's kind of strange. All I'll say is I hope that whoever he ends up with, he's totally transparent with her. Yeah. And that she knows exactly, like, what it's going to be. Because it's not fair if she thinks that he is some, you know, he owns Maggiano's or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not real. I will say there, there was a pretty heartbreaking scene. This is a spoiler alert for the next, like, minute. Um... In the, they do like hometowns where he goes yeah. and visits their hometowns with the last three. Yeah. And, and not parents. Not to <laughs> no, be morbid. But not typically the, not parents for this one. 70s. Yeah. Like yeah. their kids and stuff. And, and for one of them, he, <laughs> he, in front of the whole family, they confess their love for each other and they kiss. And he says, I am in love with you. And she says it back in front of the whole family. And then he immediately breaks up with her right after that. What? In front of the family? No, not 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 that in front of the family. But then they go okay. and they do like the rose ceremony, and he doesn't pick her. And I just thought that was the weirdest thing That's ever. Horrible. Do you think the producers made him do that? I don't think they make them pick anyone. I think sometimes they make them keep people around. Yeah. In the earlier episodes, but I don't think at the end they. I think they let him decide. I think oh he gosh, just did that. That was horrible. That's like when Michael Scott breaks up with Pam's mom at lunch <laughs> yeah. in front of them. Oh, you have done so many things that I also want to do without you. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. And maybe next week we will be, uh, we will talk about what happened. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. 
we'll see. I promised everyone on Instagram that I would be giving ongoing commentary, and I haven't. So we'll see what uh, Jerry Gary ends up with tonight. Um, all right. Uh, let me just tell y'all about The Blind before we head out, which is an amazing true story of Phil Robertson, his testimony, he and Kay's uh, early marriage and just the turmoil that they went through before he became a Christian, totally different guy. Christ saved him, made him new. Now I think he's one of the most effective communicators of the gospel who lives today. I just love the Robertson family. I think they're amazing, and I'm so thankful for what God has done through them. But not everyone knows what he used to be like and what their life used to be like. And so this testimony is going to be so encouraging to you. Go to blazetv.com slash the blind. You can purchase it for $19.99. That's blazetv.com slash the blind. blazetv.com slash the blind. All right. That's all we've got for this week. We'll be back on Monday with an amazing, amazing interview that you're not going to want to miss. Have a great weekend.